Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 280 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jessica Kent. Jessica lives outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and she works in human resources. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to be talking to you today. And you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I started, I I guess I consider myself a newbie, quote unquote. I started in May of 2022. I had people around me over the past couple of years that were fasting. And for me, I just thought there's no way I could you know, kind of limit the time frame in which I eat. It sounded like it was very, very kind of just hard in general. So I kind of stayed away from that. And I think for me, the journey kind of led me here just because of health. 
I, at a young age, you know, watched my dad kind of develop a lot of diseases like type 2 diabetes, heart disease. And, you know, he was always sick my whole childhood. And then that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, you could kind of say like, you know, maybe he he made better choices with food and things like that. But, you know, he just kind of went with the carbs and sugar and really didn't work on the things that I think, you know, for me now are so important. But then also, you know, in my 20s, my mom was diagnosed with colon cancer. And that was a huge shock. It came out of nowhere. Honestly, she was healthy. She was a nurse. She took care of my dad. She took care of all of us. And it was kind of one of those things where she was diagnosed. It was stage four. It moved very quickly. And she only made it like 18 months. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. I mean, you know, looking back at all of it, and, you know, I've listened to so many episodes of people coming on, you know, being that caretaker, which I had to step into. And I didn't want to have any regrets looking back. I wanted to be there. But then also dealing with a sick father who, you know, after my mom passed, he just declined rapidly, like had to have, um, you know, his leg amputated in and out of nursing homes. And so it just, I kind of looked at it like, look, I need to get it together. I want to live like a healthy life. You know, at that point I was just engaged and I had always struggled with weight. So I guess like kind of looking back at high school, I wouldn't say I was obese. You know, I'm five, eight. I would probably say I was around like 160 to 175. I was muscular. So it didn't look, you know, I wasn't like kind of, I don't want to say fat, but it just, it wasn't at that point. But I didn't feel good in my own skin. That's really what matters, right? You know, whatever the number says, if you don't feel good in your own skin, then you want to work on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, through high school, I played sports. So I was active. So I think that honestly helped it not to kind of get worse. But then as my parents were sick, I was comfort eating. And how old were you when they were going through those those illnesses? So for my mom, that was around 25 years old. Wow, that's got to have been really hard for a 25-year-old to see that happening with your mom, but then to step into the role of caretaker for your dad at that young age. It was. And, you know, he almost kind of put stress on me in the sense of he wanted me to be her and I wasn't. And so I had to kind of work through that after because there was a lot of, I think, trauma around all of it. Because like, you know, my mom, she was the rock of the family, like I think most moms are. And she had always taken care of him and all of us. So when she was gone, it was like this huge hole in everybody's heart to try to have to fill again, which you really can't. But then you kind of think, you know, she's not going to be there for my wedding. She's not going to meet my children. So it's just, I think like for me, I held a lot of trauma and which caused inflammation in my body and A lot of things now, looking back, you know, I see why they happened. I just didn't know then what was transpiring inside my, you know, my body. Yeah, I can imagine. So after that, did your weight go up from the stress and the inflammation and the trauma? Yes. So I, at my highest, was at 190, probably about a size 14. Then it was kind of the yo-yoing to try every diet out there, like so many people have shared you know, LA weight loss, which was very expensive, by the way, Weight Watchers multiple times. It's kind of like the more we spend, the more we're committed to it though, right? That terrible HCG diet where I had to go once a week and the guy, you know, 
weighed me and I had to take shots and it was like, I don't know, $1,500 for six weeks or something. I mean, that was a lot of money for an elementary teacher. It is a lot of money. And yes, then you're committed. But when you're done spending that money because you can't, it just, it's not sustainable. Oh no, it, it was not sustainable. And I just like sheer determination made myself keep, keep doing it because I'd spent so much money. I'm like, I'm not going to waste this money. But then immediately when it was over, I regained every bit of it plus more. Well, you're like hangry. Basically. Yes, I was yeah. so hangry. Yeah, my body was like, that was really bad. Don't do that again. <laughs> yes. So I feel your pain there. So it really was like the next couple of years, just losing weight, gaining weight, yo-yoing, at my lowest, I was 155, which, you know, I looked good and I looked healthy and I would always incorporate some sort of like wellness routine with working out, weights, walking, running, whatever it may be. And I would feel good, but then you kind of let the reins go and I would gain and gain again. So basically fast forward at 37, I had my second child. It was a very tough pregnancy. I looked terrible compared to the first. I mean, like I just had no color in my face. My hair was falling out. I ended up going into preterm labor at 30 weeks. So I was hospitalized. They kept me for four weeks. And, you know, in the hospital, I just remember like looking back now, they let me eat everything. It was actually kind of gross, like pancakes. I bet that was really gross food. It, it was so gross. And then they'd have a cart go around with like all these sweets. And of course, like I'm depressed. I'm in the hospital. I'm like, yeah, I'll take everything. You know? You're bored. It's so boring laying there. I can't even imagine sitting in the hospital for four weeks. It was awful. But luckily, they kept my daughter in. And then they said, okay, you made it to 35 weeks. Things look good. We're going to send you home. And of course, that little rascal, I was home for three days and then I went into labor. And so we had to drive all the way back into town. I'm like, what is, they're like, no, you can't be in labor. I'm like, no, I am in labor. And indeed I was, I was think like nine centimeters or something crazy. So it happened, but it was interesting at, you know, the checkup after the doctor said, you know, we looked at the placenta and it was in the three, I think that she said the three percentile or basically saying that it wasn't fully grown at all. And And basically, my daughter wasn't getting the nutrients she needed. And that's likely why I went into preterm labor. So it was just something to kind of think about and keep an eye on. And then the next, I would say, two years were really rough. I was in and out of the hospital. I was having like all of these stomach pains, headaches. My feet were tingling. It was just, I'd get hives. I had hives for six months straight. Every day, I went to multiple doctors. They're like, yeah, you're just someone who gets hives. You're just, you know, you have... I went through a period of that. Yeah. And no, no answers. And I'm just kind of like, this doesn't make sense. And then I remember it was Mother's Day of 2020. My husband, he would say often to me, like, are you with us? Like, it's just like my eyes were just like my brain were not connecting with what he was saying, what the kids were doing. Like, I would sneak away to take a nap. I'm like, please leave me alone. And you know how kids do not leave their moms alone. Like, you cannot hide. <laughs> so I was just like, I need peace. I remember little baby Cal when Will was just home from the hospital. And or Will was an infant. And Cal, so Cal was, my kids are 18 months apart. So use that tilt lets you know what age Cal was. I was trying to lay on the sofa. And he kept prying my eyelids open with his little toddler fingers. I'm like, please let mama close her eyes. Please. He's like, mama. I'm oh no. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that was my life. So my husband's like, will you please go back? I had now at this point had been in the ER. I had been, they thought it was my appendix. They 
just no one could give me answers, but I just knew like I was not okay. So I ended up going in again. And luckily, and I met this amazing nurse practitioner who listened. She was taking notes. She'd leave. I'm pretty sure she was like looking stuff up, then coming back in, asking me more questions. But long story short, she tested me for celiac disease. And she called me the next day and she's like, girlfriend, you're off the charts. You have it. And she's like, it's a mother's disease. Does your mom have it? And I was like, you know, she's gone, but she always had constipation issues. She would get hives, like all the things I was going through. And just like looking back, I'm certain she had it. And apparently colon cancer, not treated or celiac can cause colon transfer that, that's not treated. Is- See, as soon as you said your mom probably had it too, I immediately, you know, not knowing obviously the, about the, the connection, I thought, I wonder if that was a factor in her colon yeah. cancer. So it's kind of. Wow. People were not as aware of no, celiac. No, I mean, I have friends that have had it and I, I see how difficult it is, honestly, because it's a whole life change of eating and where you can go. And I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but kind of looking at it now, I mean, our foods are inflammatory. Obviously, I had a ton of inflammation. And it was almost like once I got the celiac diagnosis, everything else started to kind of fall into place in terms of what else was going on in my body. Well, that really is awesome. And just showing that you can't take no for an answer, right? You knew something was wrong. You knew you shouldn't feel that way. And how many people are going around with something in their bodies like for you, it was celiac. It could be, you know, SIBO for you know, small intestinal bowel, whatever. It could be so many different things, thyroid issues. And the doctors are like, nah, you're fine. But you had that nurse practitioner who listened and bless her heart, did some research. <laughs> I know. I was like, honestly, I could have kissed her. I'm like, thank you so much. I have an answer. So it was good. So like for six months, I cleaned up the diet. You know, I think one thing for me, I love carbs. I love sugar. And it's always going to be a struggle for me. But, you know, you can find substitutes and try to be healthy. But like a couple months later, I still was like, something's off. I'm still really tired. Let's go and get checked out. And my mom had hypothyroidism. So I'm thinking maybe something's up with my thyroid. I go in. I have a new doctor at this point. Mine retired. And I meet with the, this woman and she's like, no, you have kids. You're exhausted. You're just exhausted from kids. I'm like, no lady, I'm not. It's much more than that. Like this, I know exhaustion of like newborn being up. This is like, not that. So I fight with her. I fight with her. She runs it. Yep. My, I have hypothyroidism. Like it's over 10. And then she couldn't even call me and say like, Hey, thanks for pushing. Like, yeah, you she just sent me like a, my chart message. Like, yes, I'm going to put you on Lavo have a good life. I'm like, oh my Lord. See, that's so annoying because you knew something was wrong and there is nothing that is more frustrating than when you know something's wrong and a healthcare provider brushes it off as, well, you're just, it's just normal. That's just the way you should expect to be. No, I'm so glad that you, you stuck up for it and got her to run it. I mean, how hard was it for her to run it? Not very hard. Well, and that's kind of what, you know, like I, you turned me on to a lot of like really awesome podcasts, like Cynthia Thurlow, who talks a lot about thyroid stuff and, you know, women's hormones and just all these things that I think are so important and we have to keep an eye on. But 
Yeah, I changed doctors twice after that. Good. There are amazing doctors out there. I am not bashing doctors in any way. But I mean, they're just people, though. I mean, there are great school teachers and they're terrible school teachers. There are great doctors and they're terrible doctors. They're, you know, they're just people are just people. And, you know, doctor, your doctor is not God. <laughs> it's a person who might, you know, not have finished in the top of their class, or maybe they don't have time for you because of the pressures of running a practice, whatever it is. But there is somebody out there who will listen. You just might have to keep trying, which you know, it might be easier said than done in today's healthcare climate, but there is somewhere you can find somebody. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. I agree. And I think it's like taking like the onus on yourself and researching because I actually, she put me on a very common thyroid medication called levothyroxine and it has 12 fillers and can be cross-contaminated with gluten. Oh, so that's like a Synthroid, like a Synthroid. Yes. Yeah. So I wasn't feeling well and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I research what I'm on and I'm like, okay, so yeah, it has dyes in it. It has all this stuff. So that's when I was like, you know what, I'm taking this into my own hands. So I researched a lot. Luckily, like you, there are Facebook groups and other support groups for people. So I joined one. I found an integrative medicine doctor. It's very similar to like functional medicine. And honestly, that's where things have changed like my life like substantially. You know what I heard? We heard from Dr. Deb who came on the Life Lessons podcast. She talked about hormone replacement therapy. She said a good way to find some of these more alternative doctors in your area is to go to your local compounding pharmacy and say, who refers people to you? (laughs) Or like who prescribes through you? Because they're going to know that's going to be your alternative thinking doctor 
who's going to, you know, not always just be doing the norm. Yeah, they treat the body. And, you know, I think like for someone, and I guess like right after I found out I had hypothyroidism, that's connected with Hashimoto's. So that's kind of like, this is all the fun stuff I have. And Hashi's is basically a disease that attacks your thyroid. It's an autoimmune disease. And it's related to the gut. It's related. Yes. So I have gut issues, big ones that I have to deal with. So I think for me, it's been just kind of like everything has fallen into my plate at the right time. Because if I found out about fasting, when the first like diagnosis of celiac came out, it was already so restrictive to me, like not being able to eat gluten. And now we can't go to certain restaurants. And can I still cook, you know, with flour in the house? Or am I going to cross contaminate? Like I had so much anxiety around food that I just, I think like when fasting fell in my lap, it was literally the perfect timing because I I could embrace it and learn about it and like eat it all up. How long after your, your celiac diagnosis was it before you found fasting? So celiac, I was diagnosed actually. Was it 2020? Did you say that already? Yes. Okay. 2020. And then I started fasting in May of 2022. Okay. So you had a couple of years to get used to the celiac and you were feeling better after you, you changed your diet. You started the, the hormones, the thyroid medicine. Did you end up with like a natural thyroid medicine? Yes. So I can't say enough. It's called Tyrosent. It's a gel. So it's there is literally just one ingredient. It's the medicine. And then my body wasn't converting the T4 medicine. So I'm on a T3 med. And see, that's where you need a skilled doctor who understands because that's the complicated part that doesn't show up on like just a raw blood test. Well, and when I went to her, she's like, look, if you have celiac, you are depleted in probably vitamin D, B12, magnesium, like this attacks everything. Like you basically like your iron. So she ran, I'm not even exaggerating, like 50 blood tests, like everything under the sun from like my inflammatory markers for Hashimoto's to like my A1C, like she did the full workup. I remember like I basically, she's kind of, um, she's West. Their, Their office is two hours away. So everything is over Zoom. And then they mail me my labs. And I remember taking my labs in and the nurse like, just looked at me and said, how in the world did you get these? Like, I've never seen any doctor run all of this. I'm like, yes, I can give you the name. She's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Just like your book, I give your name out and I give her name out. I'm like, these are the people. <laughs> well, yeah, a doctor like that is worth her weight in gold. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, like you said, the last two years I've been working on all of that. I can't even tell you. I look back at pictures before the celiac diagnosis and people keep saying to me, you're aging backwards. Like they'll say, have you had work done? Have you... And even when I started fasting, it's getting better and better. And I'm just like, no, I haven't had work. It's just my lifestyle and the way I'm eating. And I think it's just supporting my overall goals, which is huge. Now, how did you find fasting? So one of my good friends has been doing it for a year. And I kind of watched her from the sidelines. She also has hypothyroidism. I can so relate to her. Like uh, when we're out sometimes, I see that like look in her eyes where there's a disconnect, like the brain fog, the me, I can't even say how bad the brain fog can be with this like Hashimoto's and all of that. But it's almost like you're just not there. Like you're there, but you're not there. So we were at her daughter's birthday party in May. uh, It was actually May 1st, 2022. And she's lost like 40 pounds. She was glowing. Everything about her, I mean, she was vibrant. She looked so happy. And I just thought like, wow, this is really working for her. 
So I pulled her aside and I was like, look, I think I want to try this. Tell me everything you know. So she just started just kind of telling me her eating window, which was like a four to five hour eating window. She was in maintenance at that point. And she said, you need to join this Facebook group. You need to get the book, you know, that Jen wrote. And so like I ordered it that night. And before I even had anything, I just started fasting the next day. Like I was all in. So you were you were just ready to go, and you had gotten your health at a, a place that you felt like you could do it. I, I think you're exactly right. You know, we we can't do everything in our health journey at one time, and you couldn't have done all of it at once. You know, sometimes people start with the fasting. You know, they start with the fasting. That's the first thing on their health journey, and as they go along with their health journey, like fasting was not going to cure your celiac disease, no matter what. It wasn't going to make you no longer hypothyroid no matter what. So if you just started fasting first, you still would have needed to address all those other issues. Right. Yeah. Like I say, exactly. It's, it's just like, I almost feel like in the last four years, everything has fallen into place in the way, in the time that I could take it in and absorb it and understand it and not lose my mind. Cause it is so overwhelming Like, it's almost like a full-time job to try to figure all of it out. You're like, oh, my gosh. I can't imagine trying to avoid gluten, like, because you have to. It's not like people who are like, oh, I just don't like to eat gluten. No, you literally have to avoid gluten. I can remember trying to do it back when that book, was it Grain Brain or Wheat Belly? It was one of those. One of those that came out that was like, no one should eat gluten. And I'm like, well, I'm struggling with my weight. This is back in the day, you know, when they came out and I was yo-yoing. And I'm like, well, okay, maybe maybe it is gluten. Sounds plausible. I've never tried that. So I tried to be gluten-free and it was really hard. (laughs) Well, you feel like a burden. Like everywhere I go, I'm not even lying. I bring a roll cooler. (laughs) I'm like asking my husband to throw like a burger on the grill for me. And it's you like for kids, I can't even imagine how, because I feel left out and I'm an adult and like, we can't go to certain places. And luckily my husband is like so great about it. And like, whatever I cook, he'll eat, which is Awesome. But, you know, it's definitely an uphill battle. Yeah. It's probably a lot easier now than it it was, you know, even five, 10 years ago, but that still doesn't mean it's easy. It's still really, really hard. Yeah. And like through all of this, I learned with Hashimoto's that dairy is something you should stay away from. I guess the protein, it looks similar to something that is attacking your thyroid. So your body just like, I don't know, it causes inflammation. So I've cut dairy out soy, I guess is another issue. So, you know, but for me, like, I think what I've worked through is that I'm getting all of this now to be able to, to hopefully like remedy what could have been the future or mitigate it. And so, you know, I'm saying like a Reiki therapist because like, it's just for me stressful. Like when you, when I get glutened, I'm down for the count for like five days, like in pain and just Uh, the brain fog, the body aches. It feels like someone hit you with a bat. Like I can't describe it any other way. So yeah, I can't even imagine. I'm just imagining what it would be like because you really have to be careful. Like how much does it take for you to get glutened? Oh, very little. (laughs) Yeah. You probably don't trust a lot of food. (laughs) No. And so, I mean, we save money. We eat in quite a bit. At least I do. And I'm, I think I'm past the point, like my husband got Chinese food the other night, like you know, before I would honestly be it's like, you kind of look at it like, why can everyone else go do all of this? And I can't like, you do feel like it's depressing. Yeah. Well, like, you know, that toddler brain that we've all got, they're like, why can't I have that? And you just feel like, like you're being left out. And like, that's not fair. 
Like we just watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's like Veruca Salt. I want it, Daddy. You know. <laughs> That's I know, and I'm like, I need to get over it, and I'm probably better for it in the long run than I'm not. But yeah, so basically, I jumped right in to fasting. I read your book. I think I read it twice. I loved it, and then I started listening to your podcast, which literally saved me in that first thirty days. Because I was hangry. It was a huge adjustment. Well, that first month, I'm glad you read the 28-Day Fast Start chapter because a lot of people cruise past that or they get the book and they don't quite read it. But you need to expect that it's not going to be easy the first month. Your body's going to have some adjusting to do. Yes. So I kept busy. I took all of like the tips and tricks and I just grabbed the dog and I was like, okay, I'm getting hungry at 11. I want to make it till 12. So I'd go out for 40 minutes, I'd get my Perrier, that would buy me an hour. So it was great to have like all this advice too. But like just knowing all of the the science behind it, because if you're going to do something, especially for me, and I think many people, we want to understand like what it's doing, how it's benefiting us. And then for me, I was just thinking, wow, this is really going to help my inflammation. I think it's going to help with like gut healing, because I have a lot of that to still do. And So I just really focused on all the positives and honestly, the weight. I think that's really key. And it all, you know, is is down to your mindset. And I used to struggle in my early days of intermittent fasting with, you know, like I was denying myself. And I think that's why the, the name of the book, Delayed on Deny, my first book, why that came to me because I had been stuck in that denying myself mindset. Like, oh, I can't eat with everybody else. And I can't, you'd already worked through that a great deal with your you know, celiac and, and not being able to eat like everybody else. So you'd already worked through a lot of that. But with fasting, it just felt like a lot of can't. And then I was like, once I shifted to, wait a minute, no, it's not that I can't. It's that I'm choosing not to and, and remembering my why. So what was your why? What was your, you know, the reason for fasting? Honestly, my kids and wanting to be, I want to be here to see their kids. So it was health. It was the health benefits. Did you need to lose weight at that point? So I was around 165, 170, which is like, you know, I I guess in a lot of people's eyes, it wouldn't be overweight, but it's definitely over. Like my BMI should be like a healthy weight is around 155, 150. And that's on the higher end. But, you know, I was flabby. I didn't feel great in my own skin. The thing with me is I'll always yo-yo. Like my mother-in-law will say, like, you know, you are the only person I've ever seen that can go up and down, up and down, like you do 20 pounds, 20 down. So... It's not healthy. No, it's really not. She's she's a whole other story. It really is not good. I've seen, you know, articles that talk about how it's worse to go up and down and up and down and up and down than it is to just stay at a steady rate of weight that's a little higher. I know. And that's like my biggest concern. So I went into this and I was like, I just want to be healthy. I want to feel good. And within that first 30 days, I think I had inflammation, but I I think I, what did I write down? Yeah. So I took measurements like everyone recommended. So total today, I'm down 13 inches. Wow. Five around my waist. Now, see, that's amazing. Is amazing. I'm Five around your waist. Yes. I'm at 29 inches around my waist wow. now. And so that was huge. But my first month, I lost 13 pounds, which I know is not. Not the norm. <laughs> not the norm. But no. I think, like I said, the inf- I, I just have inflammation. So what was really cool about this, I am... Um, A year prior, I had had a test for my inflammation markers for Hashimoto's, and they came in around 400. 
And so I had been fasting and I think four months, I think, when did I have this done? So I've been fasting six or seven months now. We had, I think I had it done last month and my numbers dropped from 400 to 70 for inflammation. That's amazing. Yeah, I just had that that done with I had some blood work and it was great to see how low my inflammation markers were. And and I know that's intermittent fasting. I so wish that I had baseline data from before. So anybody who's listening that has not started intermittent fasting yet, first of all, you should start tomorrow, but <laughs> or right now, but you should also go ahead and get some blood work done because boy, I wish I had that blood work. And I could be able to compare, like, I wish I knew my fasted insulin. I wish I knew, you know, my A1C. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And I learned a lot of that through you as well. And I've had all of that run since. So it is, it's nice to have, have all the data because that's the thing. Then you're like, look, this is working. It is worth it. And when it gets hard, you just have to like go back to those, you know, reasons why, why you're doing it, what you're doing it for. But you know, I don't want to be one of those people in their 60s and 70s who's in pain and hunched over. And I want to live life and I want to feel good. And I know what it's like to not. Like I, with the Hashimoto's and all of that, like I remember one day when it was really bad and I had just been put on medicine. I was driving. I was in so much physical pain. I was like, I just want to like drive off a road right now. And that's not me. Like I've been through so much. And I persevered. And so to like be in that headspace, it's just like, no, I'm not going to go down this way. No. Yeah, because you just felt so bad physically and you didn't have any answers as to why. That's the part that's so hard is knowing it's not normal, being told, oh, you're just fine. That's just how people are. And you're like, no, you know, we, we're not supposed to feel like that. And that is what I want everyone to hear. You are not supposed to go through life feeling really bad. And, you know, maybe you're going to get the terrible news that you have celiac and you're going to have to eat differently for the rest of your life, but you're going to feel good. Yes. And it's better at 50, you know, than getting a colonoscopy and they say you have polyps or you have this or you have that. It's like, you're getting this gift now. Yeah. To, Knowledge to really, is power. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, so basically the the other piece of this was I'm tur- I turned 40 in July. Oh, July what? When's your birthday? July 12th. Okay, I'm July 23rd. Ooh, are you so are you a Cancer or no? No, I'm Leo. I'm right Leo. on the very first day. Sometimes when you look at charts of whatever, it it calls the 23rd the last day of Cancer, but most of the time it's Leo and I feel more like a Leo. Yeah, I got I got more Leo characteristics, but <laughs> I'm on the cusp. That's what my mother used to say. I think like horoscopes were big in the 70s. I don't know. <laughs> I still would look at them. I'm like, hmm, what's going on I today? do think but it's fun. Yeah. It is Anyway, fun. I think I'm more of a Leo, but you're a cancer. So. <laughs> I'm a cancer. So I was like, you know, I would love to get under 150 for my 40th. That would just be the best thing ever. So I just kept at it. And so my windows have changed. Like when I started, I was... I kind of went into it like, okay, I'll do 12 to six. And then like listening to podcasts and listening to people come on your show, just saying, you know, like you don't really lose a lot at eating that much. And like, I can eat, I like to eat. I like a volume eater, just like, you know, you. And so then I would make it till two that Perrier was literally my lifesaver. I've got us, um, I've got a Topo Chico in the glass bottle right here, right now. Cause I've not opened my window yet. It's delicious. <laughs> Yeah, It's just, it's so helpful. So would you believe it? So on July 12th, I weighed and I was 145 and I, oh, I have never been under 150 that I could ever remember. I just never thought it was possible. I just thought, you know, like I'm muscular, there's no way, but 
it happened, and I was on cloud nine. Well, congratulations. So you're not a regular weigher then. You hadn't been weighing all along. I was trying to do it once a week to not go crazy about it. Because in the beginning, I was doing it every day and getting frustrated. So I just thought like, because that it, the weight will or the scale can ruin my day, absolutely, and put me in a bad mood. It really, really can. The only way I was able to weigh every day is because of the weekly averaging when I did it. Because I was just like that with the weighing. If I would get on the scale and the number wasn't what I wanted then it would make me feel like this isn't working. Why am I doing it? Or if my weight was down, I might think, oh, uh, my weight's down. I can have a more relaxed day. So like my brain played these games no matter what the scale said. So weighing daily with weekly averaging and only only letting that weekly average into my mind and then seeing that it was going down week to week, that's what did it. Yeah, the measurement. I mean, I'm so happy I did the measurements because it's Oh, yeah, because you wouldn't know five inches around your waist. How did your clothing size change? So I went from like a solid 10 to a a six in pants. I still have, you know, like I have the the thighs, like they're muscular, but they're there. And like on my upper body, I'm a small, which is so it's, yeah, I think from around the chest, I think I was like a 38. I'm down to a 34. That may continue to change because that happened to me. I continued to get smaller in the chest area, it's <laughs> fortunately crazy. or unfortunately, whichever you want to think. Well, yeah, you're kind of like, you don't want too much to go, but yeah. <laughs> yeah it wasn't the first to go. You know, there's they always joke about women, like, you know, the first thing we do is lose our chest. That was not what, what I experienced. That was not the first to go. It was actually like kind of the last to go, Yeah, which was me, interesting. For me too, yeah, towards the end, that's what started to to shift but I just I remember like my birthday outfit it was um it's kind of like a beach oh you you have the shorts from there I forget why can't I remember the name like it they're the the colorful fun shorts that you talk about but you're like is it Lily okay yeah yeah, I had a whole Lily outfit size zero skirt that is like when that thing gets hard and I'm having to like tuck myself into it because of the muffin top (laughs) then I know it's time to do something yeah so I had like a turquoise beautiful long skirt with like a turquoise uh top and like the earrings I just remember I was like I feel so good I'm so happy so it's been really good. And my window, so I think for me, so there has been a little wrench that was thrown into everything and it happened in August. So I've continued to fast. I will always fast. I do not eat breakfast anymore. And to be honest, for gluten-free stuff, it's it's all carbs. Like there's nothing I could really eat besides like fruit. So I've always been kind of playing with the window. I actually threw in a meal list Monday and I could not believe I did it. I was like, woohoo, I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. You know, I like try different things, but in August, we actually, we went to Maine with my mother-in-law and my kids and I was having like this weird stomach pain and I was like, ooh, did I gluten myself? Like what's going on? When I'm with my mother-in-law, sometimes I have a little more wine than normal because she's, you know, it can be tricky, but we woke up Sunday morning and I was in pain. I couldn't really walk well. I couldn't eat anything. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to fast. Maybe I ate something. I'll give my digestive tract, you know, some rest. And we get home and Monday, I'm still feeling the pain. It was on my uh, left side. So I go into the doctor and he ran some tests. And I, I think I'm kind of in the back of my mind. I know I really have to push if something's not right. So he looked at my blood work and he said, okay, you're on the brink of an infection. Something's going on. He's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, look, I feel like something's really off. Like I haven't felt this type of pain before. 
if you could send me to the ER to like have a, a CT scan done or whatever you think is, you know, the right thing to do. I just want to make sure it's nothing major. And he's like, okay, let's do it. So he sent me in. And of course, the scan came back that I have diverticulitis. Oh, no. I know. I'm like, what is happening in my body? Why do you hate me? <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, only again, 40. <laughs> that's your gut. And probably, just from what I understand about diverticulitis in the gut, it probably was inflamed from prior to you going gluten-free. And so like it, it, you know, eating the foods that are inflammatory and don't work well for your body causes the gut to respond and have all these whatever causes the diverticulitis from responding to those foods over time. Yeah. And I didn't know the symptoms of it are actually like lower menstrual cramping. Oh, that's good information to have. I was confusing it. Like I would get cramps, not even around my period, just thinking like, oh, maybe something, you know, I just kind of assumed that was what it was. But so this has been going on for a while and I think I ate popcorn actually on that trip, which I don't typically eat. And I think that can cause a flare up because the corn or, the, you know, can get stuck in the colon. But I've been in kind of a downward spiral from that, to be honest, in August, because I couldn't eat anything. You almost have to like go with softer foods and, and carbs that are easy to digest. And my body just doesn't work well with that. So I was doing like a lot of like smoothies with bananas, which are really high in sugar and carbs and having soups with, you know, like gluten-free pasta. And I put on almost 10 pounds in like a month and I felt it everywhere, obviously. And I started to feel like I thought I beat this. I thought I had this under control and just like, what is happening? But then I just, you know, like put my big girl pants on and said like, look, not going down this way again. So I think for me, it's hard because when you want to just be healthy and feel good and it, not happening, you get in your own head and you start to just get aggravated and down on yourself. And so I really like spent time to try to like meditate and do yoga and just focus on things that I could to get out of that funk and slowly got back into fasting because for some reason when this happened, and I don't know if it's just like an emotional connection with food too, where it's like, okay, well I can eat all the carbs and it makes me feel good. So that's what I'll do. So I was indulging too and like having longer windows and not, you know, I would eat gluten-free pancakes in the morning and it's like, I shouldn't be doing that, but it made me feel good in the moment. I get it. I do. I mean, you know, we have that part of our brain that drives us to do it. You know, it drives us to soothe with food and it's our brain telling us to do it. It's really hard. You know, our our grown-up brain is like, I should not be doing this. But that that other part of your brain is like, yeah, you do. You want to do it. And you feel so much better while you're doing it. And then after you're done, you're like, why did I do it again? Oh, I get it. I've been yeah. down that road. <laughs> it's like that cycle. And I wanted to so badly just be in maintenance and say like, okay, this is going to be where I'm going to be. And yeah, I can fluctuate up a couple pounds or whatever, but I just didn't want to yo-yo again. And so when I saw like 155 on the scale, I'm like, heck no. And so I just got right back into fasting. I basically am almost down six or seven pounds. So I met with some holistic doctors. I actually, so Jason Fung, I read his book, which literally clicked with me on so many levels. I loved it. The Obesity Code, such yes. a good book. It was, and it's just like, it shows that they don't know every, you know, doctors don't know everything and all the studies that are done, like you have to truly like look at the big picture 
and not just take everything for face value. But it, it made me angry too, because I'm like, oh my God, they're feeding us all this stuff. And ah. I know. And it's just, it's the actual wrong thing. And eating all day long is the wrong thing. And yeah. all this ultra processed Every two food. hours. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> An ultra processed food is the worst, no matter you know, whether you prefer to eat more carbs or fewer carbs or more protein or less protein, the problem is not the macros themselves. It's how processed they are, right? Yes. That makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. So I just got right back into fasting. I've been, so I wish I could move my window later, but for some reason at like that one o'clock, two o'clock timeframe, I'm like ready to go. And then I stop by like three or four. And I'm happy. Okay, so you have a pretty short window. Yeah. For now, I'd love to do like two meals and spread it out, but I just like to feel full and then be on my merry way, honestly. I just, I've kind of gravitated since, you know, summer. I had the window creep and I was like, I got to take care of this. So I was waiting till five to open my window for, I don't know, a month and a half, something like that, maybe almost two months. I don't know. Then the, the day started shifting and now it gets dark so early. <laughs> I've like naturally shifted. So now I'm opening my window most days by two again. And it doesn't feel like window creep because it's dark by, you know, 5 p.m. So, um, you know, I'm like putting dinner on the table at six and, you know, it's, I'm still having no more than a five hour window. It's just shifted earlier because the way the time is different. I'm like, you know, settling in, but it will change season to season, I guess is what I'm saying. It doesn't have to always be the same. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Yeah, I think we want things to just be the same. Like, change is hard. And once you get into a groove, you want to keep that groove. But I've just learned through all of this, like, yeah, it's just that's not the way it's going to be. And you have to be flexible and roll with it so you don't go crazy. I really find the change in seasons affects me a lot. Like I, I was saying, you know, in the summer, you know, when it, maybe I can do two to seven beautifully in the winter months, but in the summer, opening it to, I want to keep my window open till nine because it's still light outside. So I can't do two to nine. Can't do two to nine, but I can do two to seven. But in the summer, 
two to seven doesn't work as well. So maybe I need to do four to nine and and just being really responsive. You know, I've lived through a lot of seasons. I just calculated. We're recording this. It's December 1st. It'll come out early in, in 2023. But this is my whole, let me think. This is my ninth holiday season as an intermittent faster. Ninth in a row. Isn't that exciting? It's so exciting. You can't go back. Like once you do it and you know how great it is for you and just to see all the things that have changed in me since I've started in such a short time, like I'm sold. And people around me are like, what are you doing? Tell me everything. Because you're you're like aging backwards in front of them. But, you know, nine years from now, you might feel, you know, you'll still, I, I can predict you'll still be an intermittent faster, but your schedule might look different and it's okay. Yeah, it's just finding the groove and making it easy. I think that's the biggest thing in giving yourself grace. Absolutely. So how what do you eat? I know people people have you don't eat gluten and you don't do well with dairy. Tell me what a, a day might look like that you're, you're eating. I would say it's a paleo keto mix. I try to get in at, you know, your healthy meats and fats and vegetables. And then I will indulge. I have dark chocolate. I can't give that up. So like today for lunch, I actually, there's a, um, a great company called Siete. I know the company. Yeah. That, there was something I had of theirs. I can't, some kind of the chips. Chip. I think I had their I, chips. I yeah. live on those chips. Um, I love them. So they have wraps that are, are great. So I did ground turkey with some keto tomato sauce. I popped it in the oven, you know, toasted the wraps. And then I did some broccoli and asparagus. And that was my lunch. Almost dinner too. I like my husband's like, How, what are you eating? I'm like, this is like my meal, my friends. This is <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> that sounds really good. And I've actually been experimenting. I haven't talked about it yet on the podcast. I'm getting well. I'm actually starting Zoe again tomorrow. Doing the Zoe test again. They've changed so many things about it since I did it. I don't know, like two, three years ago when I did it before. And I was also grouchy about it before. But in preparation for my Zoe test, I'm like, well, it doesn't like for me to eat a lot of meat. It doesn't like for me to eat a lot of fat. Zoe told me that. So I've been doing whole food-ish plant-based for the past month, getting ready. And I have just really never felt better. It's like shocking. So when you said you don't eat dairy, I have not had dairy in over a month. How are you? And I'm the girl who put all the butter and sour cream. I, my face got less puffy by like the second day. Like I was like, what? <laughs> it's I, shocking. I it's sho- it, the dairy is such a problem. It's just, well, I think you the know, hormone. I always talked about how it worked well for me. And it's true that according to my DNA, I am lactase persistent, which means my body can process dairy well. But I guess that might not necessarily mean it's still not. It's still just because my body does have that enzyme, that might not mean that it's like awesome for me. I don't know. But anyway, I've survived so far, so good. We're eating amazing things. I even had a plant based Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Good for it you. It was so good. Yeah, yeah, we did it. So I hadn't had butter or dairy or meat or eggs. That's hard. That's really well, it hasn't been hard. That's the thing. You know, I'm calling it whole food ish plant based. And I'm not saying I'm going to do it forever. I'm experimenting with it. And I had blood work done October 27th from my, my OBGYN. And I'm going to have blood work done again three months. So like I had blood work done in, I guess, late July. Yeah. And then I had the hormone replacement therapy. So then I saw how my blood work improved by October. Then I had that blood work done, and then I'm going to have blood work done in three more months. So I'm thinking of it like an experiment. That, so that's awesome, though, that you have the data points to like look at. And exactly. See. Like I feel like it was, yeah, because I didn't change my diet at all from 
you know, the first to the October. So I had great improvement just from the hormone replacement therapy. But then I want to see what happens if I, because I've always known my body felt better the more plants and beans and things like that that I had. Zoe told me the last time that my body didn't do well with lots of fat, but I was too grouchy to really believe her. (laughs) (laughs) I know you get you're so, like no I don't want this to be the yeah, case. But I like butter and cheese and sour cream and all of it on the same plate. So anyway, I don't feel deprived. I'm just really enjoying. It's just it's just different. Like I'm having, you know, the vegan green chef meals. I'm not calling myself vegan because I'll still eat honey. And I, again, it's not like a permanent lifestyle that I've decided to embrace. I'm just playing with it to see how I feel, and. Thank you, Green Chef, for having those vegan meals that are, they're really delicious. We have to do Green Chef again. We did that once. They do have gluten-free meals, so it's it's nice. Because I'm cooking, I have a seven and five-year-old, and, you know, I try to get them to eat as much as we can of, like, real foods, but it's still a struggle. So, you know, and I'm not really eating dinner because I've been feeling better at night not eating later. And where just the schedules between gymnastics and soccer and whatever it may be, it's like, I don't want to eat at seven. I would rather just like eat at home. I work from home so I can make a nice meal and call it a day, but you know, I'll be cooking for my husband. So it's like, I'm making all these meals and it's just, you know. You got to figure out what what feels good in your own schedule and with helping you be able to have an enjoyable day. You know, that's the most important thing. Just like you were saying, going out to eat is the hardest part. That's been the hardest part for me. I went to Charleston for the weekend. Oh, and fun. I love it there. With it. Oh, yeah, it was fabulous. I went to, they had a like the Charleston Highland Games and it was like all people who are Scottish. And I got to meet the Cahoon family. I was a Calhoun growing up and I you know, shout out to all the Cahoons <laughs> out there. <laughs> but I got to meet like the head of the family who's from Scotland and wow. that was so exciting. But while I was there, my sister was there, my brother-in-law, we went out to a restaurant and I was able to eat and made it work. And I've been out to eat you know, here in Mexican restaurants. It's really easy to eat whole food-ish plant-based at a you know Mexican restaurant. Or, you know, places like that. So I'm figuring it out. Yeah, you just have to research. I mean, I think, you know, I found some good places around here that we know are safe that I can go to, which is is awesome because I'm a foodie at heart and I want a nice yummy meal like everybody else. So, yep, but you know, it's, I don't want to be that annoying. Your annoying friend Jen, who's like, I can't go there, can't go there. But <laughs> as long as I keep feeling this good, you know, you would never go back to how you were eating. I mean, you couldn't for your health, but you feel so much better. Like I said, if you saw pictures from of me like three years ago, I don't know if I mentioned this, like all the tests that my integrative medicine doctor ran, like she thought I was vegan because my ferritin was so low. And I was like, no, I eat it every day. She's like, you're not absorbing it. Like your gut is really, you know, my D12 or what is it? B12, B12. Yep. my vitamin D. I was hurting for certain with all the vitamins. So over the last- Because you were not absorbing them. See, that's the thing. You can be putting them all in and if you're not absorbing them- then it's like they're not, they're just going right through you. Yeah. So just healing the gut and getting on the right vitamins, like they've all gone up by 30 or 40 points over the last year. So I know it's working, which is exciting, but I did actually just find out I'm low in testosterone and it causes, I didn't even know women, like I always was focused on estrogen and all the other stuff, but I was so low that she's like, look, I really think we need to do like a hormone replacement. There's a cream we can start out low, but you know, obviously I'm 40 and you kind of, as you go into menopause, you want your hormones to be in a good place. 
And I was having trouble sleeping. It causes anxiety, all these things. So I started it and like, wouldn't you know, in a week I was sleeping like a baby. I'm like, oh my. So I am also a big proponent for hormone replacement because I just, I think as women, we, we go through so much, even just with, you know, childbirth. And I think for me, everything went downhill after that. Like my body just took a beating and you want to be here for your kids. You want to be present in the moment and you need to feel good to do that. So if you don't, you need to look into these things because there could be so many things that are off, you know, that you don't know about that uh, you have to kind of research and stick with, I think. That's so very true. So I know you're here sharing your story with the world, but do you talk about intermittent fasting with others in your daily life? So yeah, you kind of can't make me stop talking about it. I get it. it. Uh, Um, to the choir there. (laughs) So my husband, after a month, he started it. He saw I lost 10 pounds. He's like, okay, there's something to this. So he actually fasts longer than I do. Like he'll open his window at two or three. I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, It's so funny. He's lost 10 pounds. He's more like laxed with it at nighttime and all of that. But yeah, I get it. A lot of husbands can can get away with a little more flexibility than we might be able to. And yes, I'm blessed with one of those too. Although he is very rigid. I've talked about before. If it's between his lunch and his dinner, he is not going to have something. Yeah, good for him. Which is really funny. It's so funny because I never thought he would be in this. Everybody's got to figure out the way that makes it feel good to them. And Chad does his thing and I love it. I love that he does it. And, you know, it's something we do together. Although I'll be opening my window at two or whatever. And he's like, no, I can't eat right now. I'm like, all right, fine. He says can't. I love <laughs> like, okay. it. He's committed. He's committed. He is committed. Yeah. He's like, well, my window's closed. I'm like, good. well, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it isn't because you've already ate something, but all right, call it what you want. We're not certainly not going to argue about terminology. <laughs> That's unimportant. <laughs> well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say, honestly, do the research and, and read the books because I think that it puts so many of the puzzle pieces together for whatever you were struggling with prior and then it just gives you the tools to succeed because it isn't all smooth sailing. It's hard. And there are times when you feel like maybe you're not going to be able to kind of continue doing it. But I think if you know all the benefits of it and just really stick with it and give yourself grace, like you're going to get to a point where you're like, I could never not do this. So that that would be my biggest advice. And do the measurements. <laughs> Because you will be shocked at how much you like, you know, lose over your body. And that makes it so worth the, you know, continuing to do it. Absolutely. I think that's huge. And, you know, you're so right about knowing the benefits and and paying attention to how good you feel. And that period of time when you were struggling in August and you stopped for a little while, you know, saw that you were gaining weight, which of course is not what you wanted, but you didn't feel your best anymore. Yeah. The brain fog came right back. I can't tell you enough, like these non-scale victories of like my feet don't throb, my skin looks better, my hair is growing back. I mean, it's just so many things that you you just don't realize until like they start coming back and you feel good again. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize how bad I actually felt. That is so true. And just keeping in mind, this is not just a weight loss journey. And that is what I really want to hammer into everybody's heads over and over again, that, you know, weight loss is amazing. We feel better when we can move around in our bodies and get down on the floor and paint our toenails and whatever, get back up again. But the health benefits are where the real gold is going to be found. And that's what's going to keep us active as we as we go. Yes, 
Absolutely. I am a testament to that. Like I can't thank intermittent fasting enough for how I feel. And yeah, do I have bad days? Of course. But I think the fasting gets me through it It, like a hundred percent, whatever the bad day is, I think it would be worse if I wasn't fasting. So I can't say enough about it. A hundred percent. Just because, you know, it's, it's, easier than old things that we might have done doesn't mean it's 100% easy every day. No one is telling you you'll never be hungry. <laughs> exactly. You get you need to get your sparkling water ready. Yeah. yeah. Make friends with your hunger. <laughs> and your and your yeah. black coffee, which honestly was a very easy transition for me. So I'm glad. Yeah. So worth we can it. do it. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm glad you're feeling so much better. Thank you, Jen. It was so great to talk to you today. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.